Welcome to the Media Navigators podcast, brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker, and I'm the Chief Executive. This is by far the best bit of my job. I think I've said this once already, but to be able to sit here and simply have conversations with some of the brightest minds across the industry is just about as good as it gets. And today is no exception. We're going to be talking about the luxury industry and how it's changing and developing um, post-COVID. But first of all, I'd like to introduce my co-host today, who's Emma winchurch Beale, International Sales Director of the Washington Post and Board Director of the World Media Group. Welcome, Emma. Thank you, Belinda. I'm delighted to be joining you on this podcast today. And we're going to be talking to Matteo Atti, who's the EVP for Marketing and Innovation at VistaJet. On top of that, he's also Luxury Professor at the University of Monaco. Now, when I first read this, I got a distinct impression of the kind of ab fabs about it. Um, Being a professor of luxury is something kind of unique. How did you fall into that, Matteo? Good morning, uh, uh, and uh, thank you for having me here. Um, I wish uh, my life was as fabulous as it, as it sounds. Uh, um, the way you become a luxury professor is uh, you spend uh, all your life in the luxury industry and trying to come up with new ideas every day and facing the reality that luxury is hard work and requires uh, a constant thrive for excellence and never accepting uh, uh, intermediate results. I started working with the International University of Monaco when I was at Bottega Veneta in Milan, and I kept working with them because it's the most uh, exciting uh, part of my job, being able to go to students and uh, discuss ideas with them and realizing that having an external perspective is what uh, actually enriches you every day. So you don't spend your life with the likes of Joanna Lumley and and Patsy from AbFab? Um, A recent Bain report suggests it would take five years for the luxury sector to recover. How have luxury brands pivoted and found new opportunities? The most obvious answer, and the one that you've seen on uh, uh, most coverage, is the move to digital. The move to digital means that most luxury brands have uh, pushed incredibly on their new services and how to offer the services through uh, e-commerce platforms, but also through new communication tools. Uh, You've seen the fashion shows becoming virtual fashion shows uh, without people attending. You have seen uh, 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 augmented reality solutions to test uh, cars. You have seen uh, personalization push to the extreme to increase the time of engagement with customers online, because that is the part that you're losing, right? The, The time to talk to the brand and understand what the brand can do for you. So elongating the time spent with the customer in a way that still feels quite personal. And I think that is going to be a big element for the future. Um, The other element is people have more time to read and they try and once they engage, they can go very much in depth, which wasn't always the case before. So we've seen a lot more on the, uh, a lot more brands uh, focusing on their purpose and starting to elaborate full on campaigns uh, just on explaining why they exist, 
how they want to relate to their customers and what they stand for. I think they've been re-expressing why they should be part of their customer's life. And that is incredibly good because it goes from a transactional perspective to a relational perspective, which was not the case in the old e-commerce standards, which was all about convenience, commodity, and speed. Do you think the five years to bounce back makes sense? I mean, I think there are some luxury brands that have actually done almost better during during the pandemic than, than in normal times. I think the um, implication in the question is that we what we need is to go back to where we were. So what the Bain uh, research was showing is that the total value of the industry will go back to that in five years. What again was interesting for me is uh, starting a discussion on uh, what will it look like though in five years? So the overall business revenues will go back in five years, but certain parts of the business will disappear completely and new ones will come. And as you were saying, it's uh, if you are a car manufacturer, there was the case of uh, many luxury manufacturers, is moving faster into electric vehicles, is uh, moving more into the world of uh, uh, one-off uh, products. Um, and there's a lot of push on that from all the supercar brands that you see around. But that's the same for jewelry and watches. I mean, when I talk to our partners, they are all pushing incredibly on a new segment of the market, which is not the cheap personalization of adding the initials on a bag or a, or a fragrance, but is the uh, made-to-order and the made-for-customers world, which is now becoming a larger segment of the luxury market. Going back to the 19th century, if you wish, where the customer could dictate to brands what they would like from the brand. So the new relationship between the brand and the customer is changing dramatically in the fact that we are now restarting creating channels for feedback, for asking, for discussing. And then the brand has a chance to be meaningful, not as an aspiration, but as a real part of the customer's life. It'll be great to understand more about how it works in general. And you suggested a few ways that you've had to adapt during the pandemic. But if you could dig deeper into that, that would be really helpful. Absolutely. Well, I don't expect many people to know about private aviation. It is in its own nature, uh, a niche uh, business and a very specific uh, uh, product. So just to give a to paint the picture a little bit the way to fly private normally uh, includes uh, buying your own aircraft or a fraction of it so sharing it with other people or going into a membership or a jet card solution or ask for a flight on demand uh, as a one-off now if you look at this it has very different financial commitments and financial uh, results when you go for a, a buying an aircraft, you have to consider a first a big spend up front. Uh, our newest plane, the Global 7500, goes for a rate card of about 75 million each. So maybe uh, during a, a pandemic or recovery after pandemic, not many boards would be willing to put that on their balance sheet. Um, the intermediate solution is uh, the one of the membership, which is where VisaJet has its core product, which is called the program. 
the jet car solutions are the ones that allow you to buy a certain number of hours to fly within the year, and you will have a, a guaranteed aircraft that come and pick you up anywhere in the world for a certain uh, uh, fixed uh, fee. Or you can go through the charter market, have a broker and ask for one flight. And depending on the day of the year, you find different prices, different aircraft availability, etc. What most people think uh, about private aviation, though, is uh, a myth. Everyone thinks of it as the easiest thing to do. In reality, most of the time, uh, booking a flight can be complex. Understanding the price structure of how much will it cost me can be complex. Understanding the value of the product you're buying can be complex because the plane can have different levels of safety, different age. Understanding the capabilities of the operator. So can you fly me everywhere in the world or can you only fly me to certain destinations is complex. So the reality is that it is a highly uh, glamorized uh, uh, product, of course, because it's easy to imagine the beautiful life uh, of the people who can afford to fly on private jet. But it is a business tool. Uh, most people that are on a business jet are too close a big deal because the investment and the money cost, of course, needs to be balanced by the opportunity that is at the end of that flight. And it also requires a lot of education to understand how these things work and how is the best way to buy it. It's not as immediate as it sounds. So the goal I've tasked myself with is to make private aviation simple. As a whole company, every solution we suggest to the market is exactly going in the direction of putting the customers first and trying to understand that private aviation should and has to solve problems, should not become a burden for anyone, right? Um, so when I look into the second part of your question, which was more of how we adapted during the pandemic, um, we have looked at what was the most complicated things right now. So you need to find the pain point, right? Find what your customers need at the moment, what is complicated and what is making their life difficult. The first thing that we all have to face uh, uh, during uh, 2020 was, of course, the changes in regulations, Everyday news of you can fly there, you cannot fly there, your passport is allowed, your quarantine has changed, the testing regulations have changed. So what we've done is we've built a 24-7 team dedicated only to check regulations every morning for every country in the world. The VistaJet uh, proposition is that we are the first and only global aviation company, which makes our job the most difficult. We are the only one covering the entire globe. So we had to have a team that would go and check uh, UK regulations, US regulations, Zambia regulation, Australia regulation, New Zealand every single day. Every morning we would go on all the government's official pages and check what has changed through the night. And I'm saying this because we had cases of flights where the regulation changed in the middle of a flight. And we had to go back and park and land somewhere else until we could obtain a new permit under the new conditions and fly back to destination, right? Um, so people expect us to be the problem solver, but they also expect us to be able to produce impossible results. So we had collaborations with commercial aviation where Lufthansa was working uh, on a flight, a repatriation flight, but at some point they realized they could only perform half of it. 
So we did a, a handover uh, flight where they did they performed the first part of the flight and the second leg was on uh, private aviation because otherwise they could not finish up the contract. And that is something that you would not expect, right? That private aviation, uh, the business aviation and uh, commercial aviation would become one. But actually it is very natural. It is uh, the, the best way to do it. We are a joint up infrastructure to transport people around the world. And then you have to ensure continuity. At a time of high anxiety, what people want is to make sure that if I come to you, you don't stop your services. So we didn't put a fleet down and we actually built a safe house in our operation center where our teams were in for 15 days without contact with the external world. They were so committed, they said goodbye to the families for 15 days in turns so that we could ensure that there was no transmissions, no possibility of us having to block our services at any given time. So you have to go to the extremes of generating a whole new process to ensure business continuity because the businesses of the world are, you, are, are needing this infrastructure to continue operating. And it's a big thing. And then of course you have the part where you create new products, right? So we had uh, uh, new uh, products for corporations, which were the most affected. Uh, if business stops, everyone suffer. So what did we do? We created uh, uh, the opportunity of uh, booking two hour slots before and after. So we guaranteed that if you wanted to leave at 10 a.m., we would be there from 8 and there till 12 because something could have gone wrong. Your meeting was delayed, your previous flight was delayed, etc. So we expanded the flexibility there. We had dedicated crews so you didn't have to fly with people uh, that you didn't know and you could book them for your 15 days, 20 days, 30 days, or the entire six months you wanted. You could have your dedicated crew always with you so that you knew there was less risks. We have done uh, pay after you fly, so you can keep closing your deals, but you, but you can pay everything in arrear and open up the, the credit on that side. And for the personal side, we have done, uh, for people who were flying and wanted to protect their family, for example, we launched our Safe Havens campaign and our door-to-door -door services, uh, Jet to Yacht, Jet to Slopes, Jet to Island, where we guarantee a full-on flow from your doormat to your destinations and everything has been pre-vetted and everything has been ensured uh, uh, so that there is no additional context. So I think it's about identifying the, the new pain points, the new problems of the customer and quickly react to it. So during the pandemic, many members of the World Media Group have seen an increase in the number of subscribers coming to their news sites as a trusted uh, information source about what's happening, um, understanding what really is affecting them, what they should be looking at during the pandemic. This has kind of led to a bigger level of trust and development. And the, the aim is to continue that relationship on a long term with those, with those new readers that have come to us perhaps for the first time. In your world, have you seen new customers come to you and how, how will you keep them as your loyal customers going forwards? The main product uh, for VisaJet is a membership. So in a way, it is uh, uh, 
comparable to what you just described. And I have to agree, our number of membership uh, has increased dramatically. A lot of people see having a membership with VistaJet as a sort of travel insurance, and because we can cover uh, the whole world and get to them in, uh, at a moment's notice uh, to provide any services. So that core element of knowing that we are there for them and that we set standards that we are not going to compromise all over the world is being, has been an incredible tool uh, to ensure that we capture the trust and we can actually deliver on the trust that we are given. Um, you have to think that private aviation uh, is not, most of the time, uh, something you buy on a click. A membership in private aviation is a substantial commitment. We're talking hundreds of thousands and, in most cases, millions that go into a membership. Uh, so it's uh, not a short-term uh, uh, negotiation. I mean, the, the sales process tends to be quite elongated. It can go from six months to 18 months. And the element of trust then is not only in uh, providing trust to the people that are already flying with you, but is also who is introducing you to them. If you think of how we market our products, we tend to see every touch point as a referral. Every touch point needs to come from a trusted source. You will not see uh, visited advertising uh, on uh, random titles. We don't buy general inventory. We go with the Washington Post, we go with the Financial Times, uh, we go with the Rob Reports of the World, uh, trusted brands where our advertising can be protected because we want to be on the side of real news and not uh, made-up stories. We want to be inside respected places. When we do our event strategy, the event uh, is done in partnerships always with somebody else who introduces customers to us. Uh, because that way, where there is, we activate the transfer of trust. If Belinda introduces me to one of her friends who has a need for private aviation, she's transferring her credibility to VistaJet. So our work is constantly and every day finding the right places where the counterpart can trust us. So finding the places of trust, build our messaging there, and making sure that there is reciprocity where we gain from the context as much as the context can gain from us, whether that a personal introduction or an advertisement. Uh, as you're saying, trust is going to be critical and it's especially critical when the emotional approach and the emotional attitude is one of anxiety. It's a big reduction in anxiety, and that is what people are buying uh, these days sometimes, is the comfort and the reassurance that everything will be, uh, that they will be in control. And when you start looking at corporations who are seeing all their KPIs go up and down and uh, markets closing down and reopening and uh, uh, logistical uh, nightmares from uh, sourcing uh, products from one side of the world to the other becoming a problem, what they're after is the certainty. Providing certainties, providing clarity, providing transparency, always being very clear on uh, what you stand for, where the data is sourced from in the case of news or where the plane is sourced from and how often you maintain it and how much your pilot are trained. Those are key components of the new messaging. And they go into the view of I'm feeling good and committing to a long-term relationship with somebody that has checked all the boxes for my trust and they have win my trust. I love that. That's just so, it, it you know, 
you've articulated it so well thank you so much and I'm sorry we're already very close to the end but I really just wanted to finish off by just asking you if you've got three top tips for other luxury marketeers you know about what you've learned during the pandemic that they might be able to apply to their business Okay, so 10 seconds answers. Let's go through it. (laughs) Tip number one, um, motivate your team. Your biggest resource is your team. Uh, Never shut down any ideas. Just say yes and try it out. And if it doesn't work, move on without blame. Tip number two, ask your customers. You don't know what they want. You don't know what, what they need from you, but don't send a closed survey. Just ask and stop and listen they will tell you things you did not think about yourself. Don't try to put words in their mouth. Would you say that's more so this year or or is that... Absolutely, absolutely, even more so because it's unpredictable. The, the, The brain is reconnected in different ways. Our needs, our priorities have changed. I should not assume what Belinda and Emma are thinking today. I should just ask you to elaborate and and tell me what is important for you today. And the last one, of course, is be the first. Try things before anybody else. Become the leader and gain competitive advantage. There's never been a better time to be a pirate and to come up with the greatest new idea. Oh, do you know what? I think that's what we're going to call this podcast, How to Be a Pirate. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Look, that's really There's a book to that title, and it's actually a very, very nice book if you haven't read it. Oh, oh Be yeah, More yeah. Pirate. Okay, a fourth top tip then. I'm really sorry <laughs> that we've got, got to finish this. I'd really like to thank you for sharing your time with us, Matthew. Um, and Emma, thank you as well. Um, hope to talk to you again soon. Pleasure to be here. Call us anytime and hopefully we'll get a real coffee next time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.